Almost everyone, including resilient people, become anxious and stressed when things are rough. But instead of being crippled by these emotions, they generally find ways to press on despite their circumstances. Sounds like something us parents want for our kids, right? If so, then join us for this episode as we talk more about the third element of relational intelligence and how we can help our children develop an unwavering resilience. Well, hey, we are back, uh, Dr. Dewey Wilson, and I'm John Trant, and just really excited to get to jump into another element of the relationally intelligent child. And uh, Dewey, last uh, time we began looking at resilience and how you know, we started with attachment, which is so important. I mean, when when kids know they that they've got a group of people, that that's my people, when they know that they are cared for and somebody's not going to bail out on them, well, that allows them to begin to move and explore their world. But then as they begin to kind of do, you know, deal with that fearless exploration that you really want them to exemplify well, they're going to fall down. And that, you know, that's when you need the resilience to get back up. And so we looked last time at some practical applications with that. But boy, resilience is something as you build it into your kid's life when they're young, it's going to pay off down the road. And you you have a great example of that, right? Yeah, we do have a great example of it. And it just, just happened this, uh, just recently in the last few days. Uh, you know, we have two girls just like you do. And, and uh, our, in fact, our girls are, are all pretty close and similar to age. But um, our youngest daughter, and then we, we've talked about her before in some of the past episodes, her and her husband, Adam, uh, they had their first child back in January. And uh, little Miss Nora Lynn. And um, this past weekend, uh, we were all together as a family. We tried to go uh, watch our other grandbaby, uh, granddaughter, who is now seven, uh, watch her soccer game. And so... You know that's a big event, so the whole family decides to come, to show up and 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 support uh, Kimber. Uh, but so anyway, the, the beautiful day here, and uh, we all got there to the park and watched the game and just really enjoyed the the fellowship with friends and got ready to leave. And um, I was carrying Nora to the car, and uh, thankfully she had found a parking spot right there close to the field and and didn't have far to have put up the baby carriage, and so. I, you know these these car seats that, that oh they're that amazing they now yeah they've all been to the car seats have been to college I mean it's amazing they're, they're they just, have yeah. you know you and I both have a PhD and I'm not even sure that's a, that's enough to be able to get a child in that thing and get them buckled in securely and so I'm I'm got Nora and I'm putting her in her seat and and we that was successful but I looked at uh, at Aaron and she had she you know she has one of those remote starters on right. the car. And so she pushed the buttons and she started it because it was, it was warm. I'd say it's probably upper eighties. She starts the car and I lay her in her seat and I said, you know, you, mom, you probably ought to go ahead and figure, finish this up. Cause I'm afraid I it'll get too tight. And really what I was wanting to do is just not mess with it at all. Cause I didn't want to show my ignorance. Yeah. She kisses her mom goodbye, gives me a hug and a kiss. And, and so we said, okay, we'll see you later. And so we go walk across the parking lot, get in our car and we leave. And, uh, John, it may be, literally maybe two minutes telephone rings and it's Aaron and I see it on caller ID and I answer it and they're on the other end. Dad, dad, you got to get back here. And and I said, well, well, hang on now. What's wrong? And she goes, 
I've locked the, my keys in the car and nor and Nora's in there. And, and I said, okay. And so he, you know, we're on a six lane road and I'm on the far right lane and I like do a U-turn you know, across two lanes of traffic, get in the parking lot. I mean, she's doing okay for a mom. that's only, you know, been a mom for two and a half months. And, but yet her baby's in this car. I mean, John, you've been here before. This is a big situation for them. I well, mean, so. it is. And, and, you know, they don't really come with those kinds of, uh, I need to be resilient and be a calm, non-anxious person uh, moment. You know, it's like the first time your kid has a cough or gets a cold or or something like this, where now it's not your kid, it's you've done it, you know? <laughs> That's right. And, um, but again, thank goodness, instead of panicking, I mean, she was actually drawing on a lot of what she had learned over the years with, uh, okay, this isn't a great situation, but how do we move to, to problem solving? Even Jesus tells us in scripture that in this life, you're going to have trials. Yeah. Now, uh, she didn't set out Saturday morning and think that, that I was going to have to you know, get my baby out of a locked car. I was proud of her that she wasn't just going ballistic; that she was exercising some of those uh, those learned behavior skills. Yeah. Uh, but so anyway, she's like, "Dad, we have got to get her out." And I said, well, "Okay, hang on just a second. Let's see if we can get into the door first. And and she goes, "No, I'm, I want you to break a window." I, okay, hang on. We can just let's see if we can get into the door first. Couldn't get into the door. And so, John, have you ever tried to break one of these new laminated and yeah. Car windows. Yeah. It's, it's not what you think. You know, it's not like you see on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to exacerbate things, the car shuts off and cause they're only going to run for so many minutes. And so here comes another, another layer of the, of the anxiety. Dad, the car just started. Okay. It did. You're right. But you know, we're going to get in here and I'm, I'm literally taking a hammer and trying to break this window and I can't break it. You know, Lynn, she had already tracked across the street to go get to the to get to the fire department, and by this time we got a crowd around the car, and little Miss Nora, she's sitting there fine because Aaron had put a battery operated fan on her because she typically gets hot anyway. So the she had the air conditioner running on her. Now she's got the fan, and she's doing fine. Yeah, she's happy. The next thing you know, I hear this siren. Now bear in mind the fire department tracked across the street. Here comes the huge fire engine. And so they get in the, across the street into the parking lot. And I look up and, and two of them have got these huge acts. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, surely we're not going to bust the window with one of those things. Yeah. And uh, they did the same thing. They tried to get into the door. And, and all this time, Erin, she's doing really good. She's, she's not panicking too terribly bad. And she finally just said, Would you, let's just break the window, please. Let's just break the window. So the guy reaches into his pocket. And he's got this little spring-loaded um, I think it's got a diamond tip on it. You know, cocks it back, puts it up against the window and pushes the button and the whole thing shatters. And here I am, you know, taking everything but a sledgehammer trying to bust into the side and really made me look smart at the time. She gets into the car and here Nora is and she's warm. She's, you know, it's really starting to get hot. But they get her out and take all of her clothes off of her, start cooling her down, put her in our car and... And Aaron, I look over there and Aaron's just got tears running out of her eyes. And she yeah. said, Dad, she goes, I'm, I'm just afraid that they're going to write me up for being a really, really bad mom for locking yeah. my kid in the car. Yeah. And, and I told her, I said, you know, Aaron, I couldn't be more proud of you um, and how resilient you were because, because she exercised resilience and restraint 
Because once she knew that there were a ton of people around there that were going to help. Uh, but even more than that, mom and dad were there. It goes back to what you said early on when there's that secure attachment and, and years and years and years of establishing a home base, a safe home base. We allowed our girls to explore. They got hurt. The point being is that we can't expect uh, to raise resilient children if we don't exercise some level of resilience as a parent. Yeah. Oh, it is. I mean, it, it, it goes back to modeling, which is a lot of this whole idea of the relation, uh, relationally intelligent child. We're having a lot of people read this book because they're going, you know what? I think I need that. And I'm the parent that part of resilience is realizing, okay, I don't, I can't just do this all by myself. Um, it's okay to call for help. Now, it doesn't always have to be the fire department, but Cindy had to do that. I mean, the same thing. My wife uh, locked our youngest uh, daughter in the car at the gas station in August in Arizona. It's probably 110 out. And now, thankfully, the car was running, but the fireman got there right away and um, saved the day, you know, and everybody was thrilled. But um, but it's that whole idea that resilience uh, – you know, it's so hard to, you know, sometimes uh, just deal with that. Let me give you a quick example. Um, Dr. Deborah Gordon, uh, do you, you know that name? At, uh, so she's at Moody and has written a wonderful book called Uncomfortable. And part of what resilience is, is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. So that was a really uncomfortable setting right? You know, she's a new mom and oh my gosh, and dad just left and, you know, he, maybe he can help, but, but right away she starts looking for solutions. See what I'm getting at? She starts looking for, uh, for, you know, who's somebody I can trust. Who's, who's somebody that can, that can help. And that's a big part of resilience is that you don't have to do it all by yourself. And then the other thing too, is what, uh, that book, uh, uncomfortable by Dr. Deborah Gordon, which is just a great book. She uses an example of, uh, where somebody's in Chicago and do you've been to Chicago, you know, you've seen the Chicago river, right? Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. you do not want to, swim in the Chicago river. You know, it's, it's as bad as anyway, it's still terrible. So you definitely don't want it. They paint it green once a year and it, that, if that improves, it, you know, Day. for mm -hmm. St. Patrick's day. Um, but you know, she shares an example where somebody gets knocked in the middle of the river accidentally, but now they're in the middle of the river and that river takes you out into you know, the Great Lakes. I mean, you are headed into Lake Michigan. And so what can you do? You could sit there and go, okay, I'm just going to, I'm not going to, I'm not, I am just so mad that this happened that, you know, I'm just going to be mad. Well, then you guess what you drowned or you could go, well, that was so unfair that that happened. Well, what gets you going is you've got to what? You've got to start paddling. You need to start moving. And that's what resilience is. It's okay to have those feelings. Why did this happen? Oh my gosh, you know, but to be resilient is where you swim to shore. It's okay to be emotional. I think we're, I hope, hopefully everybody hears us say, you know, it's okay to be anxious in situations. You know, it's okay to be 
um, you know, to, uh, e even afterwards when all the adrenaline is flowing and you're going, oh my gosh, you know, how could they have ever given me a baby? And I locked him in the car, even though tons of people mm -hmm. have done that stuff like that. But what I'm getting at is, is that we can't out logic emotions. No. Uh, so they're, they're going to happen, but we just can't be driven by them to the point where we don't say what resilience does is say, okay, man, that hurts. Gosh, I can't believe I did that. Okay. Well now Lord, how do I, what are some trusted resources around me so I can get up? You know, oh, there's mom helping me up. There's dad, you know, driving through traffic to get to me. Oh, there's a fire you know, station across the street. And, and so uh, again, using opportunities from, you know, with your kids uh, can be hugely in, in, important. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes, John, that we we fail to, once we get out of an adverse situation, we we fail to do just exactly what you were talking about, is, and that's to go back and, and look at the situation. The One of the very first things we did when we realized that everybody was okay and, and little Miss Nora was, you know, had finally got her diaper changed and she was a happy camper, yeah, um, we began to to really to unpack the situation. One of the things that we we've, we've tried to do um, throughout the majority of our life, I think, and that is to thank God for the, the all of the positives that were there. Yeah, and and so, you know, because it, oftentimes if we don't celebrate and we don't recognize those elements where God got us out of that situation, because it's hard to trust uh, that which you that you haven't experienced. Yeah, uh, because otherwise it just takes a lot of faith in order to be able to do that. But the things that you have experienced and you've seen God's hand at, at right in the middle, just like we did. Not only were we surrounded by a lot of people, mom and dad were close. Uh, the air conditioner in the car was running. She had a backup fan that was running. And, and then to boot, the fire department was right across the street. Those were the positives that we were able to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. that's part of. Uh, becoming even more resilient for the next adverse thing that's going to take place. Exactly. I, I get the privilege, and you've done a lot too, uh, with working with uh, military teams and and uh, individuals. But uh, it, it amazes me how much after action reports there are. You know, you'd think, okay, wait, it's over. They're just let's just move on, because you and I were both athletes, and you do, you know, you watch films a little bit. But boy, not the way they do. I mean, they unpack things just like you were saying. They really say, what can we learn? And you even mentioned that little uh, spring-loaded thing that the firemen used to break out the window. You've got three of those now, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> because it, that could happen it, again, you know. Yeah, it's easy to become proactive, uh, you know, after you've had to be reactive. And but you know what, John? That in itself is a. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. Uh, I, that's what I'm getting. At. That's part of yeah. res being resilient is saying, okay, uh, I, 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 you know, you, you know, Martin Luther said, you know, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Mm -hmm. You know, and yep. it's that idea of the fact that man, uh, you know, you don't want to just sit with that thing. And, you know, what can I learn from it? What can I, mm -hmm. what can I learn from it? Yeah. And to your, you know, to the, to your point, John, it's one, we can't impart what we don't possess. Um, but we've talked m multiple times about, uh, our children are going to take their anxiety cues from us. Yeah. Um, 
what I hope that you're hearing us say is that you know while you may consider yourself not to be a resilient person, uh, what we're suggesting is is that you know one that you can expect that adverse situations are going to happen. That's just part of life. But to be able to to manage your way through it, one think of you know okay, I may not know what to do, but look around me and see what resources that I have available to me uh, to be able to move toward a, a a positive solution. Yeah. And that could be just as who's around me to help. Just like you said, you know, we, I think one of the things that as I was doing my dissertation, John, with the m- millennials, uh, you know, society wants to put a label on millennials and call them narcissistic. And yet, you know, you know, this to be true. What I found in my research was that these kids aren't narcissistic. What they are is they, they're highly entitled. Uh, they are, um, they have expectations, but one reason why is because they the they have been afforded so many things growing up, and now many of the the people that are listening to our podcast are they're the millennial parents of today. Yeah, you want the best for you and your children. And in some ways, the onus is on us as parents that we didn't train and teach you right. But the one thing I know, do know about this is that that God is never going to leave us or forsake yeah. us. One thing that I, that Aaron was certainly assured of that day is that she realized as uh, as much as she loves Nora God loves her even more yeah and and but yet she also told me with sort of she said dad thank you for being there but uh, she goes it's I know it was a very difficult thing to go through but but on this side of it I'm thankful that I did because I learned so much through this situation yeah and that's that that's that unpacking uh, and you can help your kids do it. You can you can do it with your kids. Um, and and uh, but y- you know you just mentioned it. It goes back to attachment. Lord, you're not going to bail out at me, even if I lost my you know. Because I I guarantee you, some people are listening and they're going, well, I went absolutely <laughs> crazy, yeah. or or you know. I, I ran and found a bigger rock and broke out the front window, which didn't help at all, you know, or mm-hmm. so. So I, we, we get it. Nobody's saying you've got to be perfect at resilience. In mm-hmm. fact, I hope they hear us saying, you know, it, there's so much training that goes into, well, okay, Lord, the next time, the next mm-hmm. time I get knocked into the middle of the Chicago river, how do I start paddling a yep. little bit sooner to shore rather than just, you know, being fearful or anxious or whatever. And, uh, you know, those are all things that can help as we build resilience. That's right. Yeah. Well, I think it was uh, Chuck Yeager, you know, he's an, and he was, a, he was a test pilot. And still a story that we'll end up with, uh, that we'll end on this note is, you know, he, he was asked, you know, wh- you know, what is one of the most scariest moments you've had when you were, when you were uh, flying, testing in a, a jet? And he said, well, you know, I was flying out over the ocean one time and I've lost all of my all of my um, uh, uh, instruments, all the lights on all of my interests, I, I lost them all. And uh, and he said, you know, one of the great things that they do when you're when you become a fighter pilot is they teach you that, okay, when something like that happens, you need to ask yourself one question, and that is, is this thing still flying? <laughs> because if it's flying, then what that what he's saying is, is that now you have time to assess your situation and to be able to find suitable solutions that can, that can make the problem better. Yeah. And as a parent, um, man, thank the Lord that he equips us and that, you know, while, 
well, sometimes may look like it's a, it's a tragedy or, or it's a, it's an, it's a hopeless situation. One of the great things we can do is that, you know what, uh, am I still alive? Is the, is the car still running? You know, is the fire, how close is the fire department? And begin to assess those things. And before you know it, you're going to survive that situation, become resilient through that one. And then God's going to give us one more down the road that we can learn from later. So it's just, it's a part of being a parent. It is. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be continuing our discussion. We're going through every element from attachment to fearless exploration to just unwavering resilience. And and Dewey, next time, look forward to talking with you as we, you know, move then towards uh, something that happens as a result of all of those three. And that's the ability to make some really good decisions. Look forward to talking to you the next time about that. Thanks for listening to part two of Unwavering Resilience. You can learn a lot more about this critical third element of relational intelligence in our book, The Relationally Intelligent Child. If you don't already have a copy, you can get yours today through one of our distributors found right here on this page. We also invite you to check out our Connect assessment where you and your child can receive a free personality graph and overview by completing our online questionnaire. Thanks again for listening, and join us next time as we begin unpacking the fourth element of relational intelligence called wise decision-making.